Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn actually to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are going to take a little bit of a step, not just back, but kind of up. We're going to be looking at, uh, Ryan made a comment. Sometimes it's good to hear someone else speak. I I love it. And appreciated Ryan's words to us last week. And uh, he made a comment at the beginning of his message that really stuck with me. It was just a quick statement, and I knew it was true, but uh, it just caused me to say, okay, maybe we need to go back and take a look at something, and then for some other reasons, it just seemed like it was time. But he said, as we finish up this section in 1 Corinthians, and it really does seem to be a section, in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul goes back to uh, try to dig some roots, or to try to drive those roots, I mean, down deep, to lay a foundation. Uh, Because chapters five, he's going to be dealing with how to deal with sexual immorality. In six, he's going to be talking about lawsuits. In seven, he's going to be dealing with, again, difficulties of marriage and whether or not people should be married. And he's going to ask some tough questions. And it goes on into eight and nine and 10 and 11. There's just a lot of complicated and nuanced discussions that he's going to have. And what Paul does is he doesn't just want to stand up and yell at people and say, Try harder and you can do this and you need to just buckle down. What the Apostle Paul does consistently is the Apostle Paul says, let us go back and remember how we got here. And that's an important lesson because it's really easy to walk into a situation and just assume it's always been there just like that. I remember somebody who was describing life this way that it's almost like life is a movie And then you're the center player, and wherever you go, kind of like Truman Show, and wherever you go, everybody's kind of running around and and kind of playing out that movie for you, because I've always noticed that the only consistent thing in every moment of my life is me. So you can kind of walk in and just go, wow, like all of this was for me. All of this was put here for me, And, and you can. You can just, you can fail to stop and go, what are all of the pieces that came together so that I could have what I have right now. Have you ever stopped to just be thankful for that? Like, I miss that a lot. I I just go on about my my day. When I was little, I'd go on about my day. I remember being frustrated. I didn't know why my mom ever had a, uh, a disagreement, okay, a fight. Why do you have to fight? Like, why do you have to, like, why do you have to do that? I don't like that. Why do you have to do that? And then I got married. I went, oh, that's why. That makes sense. I see that. I I, I get why there's a disagreement. But you know what else I began to realize? I began to realize, wow, like my mom and dad put up with a lot from each other. If I begin to add up all of the time, I, I just think I failed to recognize all the devotion and dedication that my mom and my dad, particularly my mom, did to deal with a marriage. You kind of forget that, can't you? Have you you ever just stopped and just thought, man, I I just need to give thanks for the city planners of Stillwater back in like 1950? How many of you have ever just stopped and and wanted to thank the Lord for that? Anybody? Yeah, me neither. You know what I know how to do? I know how to complain. Okay, who's the idiot that decided to make this a two-lane road? Um, How about stopping and giving thanks to who decided to put a road there? You ever thought about that? Yeah, me neither. Too, too busy with life. Too busy assuming that everything, wherever I go, is just there for me. 
relationally, socially. Are you ready for this one? Spiritually. See, there was a time in Corinth where um, there wasn't a church. Like it was, it was just people. And they weren't all terrible. A lot of them were pretty messed up. But I'm sure there were some good people in Corinth. But at their best, they were self-centered people trying to help one another out. And in the end, none of it went to God. None of it was to glorify the creator of heaven and earth. At best, it was just a group of people just trying to get along. And God had a plan that was much deeper and much more profound. And and, and God said, "I'm, I'm going to do something about this. And it wasn't because... It wasn't because anyone thought about it. It's not because anyone kind of specifically had a plan for this. No, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like you and I when we were lost, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And while Corinth was headed in the wrong direction, God said, but I have a plan. And what Paul is wanting the, the Corinthian people to do is I don't want you to forget. I want you to remember. I don't want you to forget. I, I want to remind you not of how messed up you were. I just want you to remember like, what Jesus and his church and his mission are all about because Paul knows this is going to happen because it's happened to me. Like, I showed up in the Sunnybrook kind of community. I spoke one time in the fall of 1998 was the first time I ever came and spoke here. And actually, I used one of the key verses. I used it from, um, from 1 Thessalonians, but one of my key verses was actually one, the point of my sermon when I, the first time I preached here, I still remember it. Got in trouble for it. A guy wrote me like a four-page letter on why he hated my sermon, which I thought was kind of interesting. But anyway, that's a whole other story. I'll share with you the letter someday. I, I, I think he was wrong, but that's another story as well. But it's interesting how I just, I kind of walked in and I kind of met a bunch of people and how are you doing and how are you doing and how are you doing? And I, I never really stopped to just think about like all that was set in motion for me to experience that just one blessed Sunday. And I had no idea it would send my life in a completely different direction. I had no idea. And in 2004, when my wife and I and our kids felt called to become a part of this fellowship, I I don't know how much, I mean, I guess kind of occasionally I would think, wow, there's a lot of people I should be grateful for. Well, we got that great Ray Bolt song, thank you for giving to the Lord. I guess I'll wait till we get to heaven and then I'll start thanking people. And then realizing, oh, that, that might be foolish because what the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians is he's, he's already driving them back, saying, I, I don't want you to forget the very spiritual act of remembering who Jesus is and what his mission is about and then humbly going, and how did you get to be a part of this? And so what I want to do is I want to just look at these four chapters before we start dealing with, are you ready? Chapter five, expelling immoral people. Chapter six, lawsuits and disagreements among Christians. Chapter seven, okay, here's, I love this phrase, it's repeated twice. Now about virgins, he says, okay? How do you get there? Well, and Paul says, because I, I want you to realize, like, you were once lost and now you are found. You once were dead and now you are alive. And I just want us to make sure that before we deal with complicated subjects, and before we hear of a really incredible challenge that awaits for us as a church, that we just stop and remember what Jesus and his church have always been about and will always be about. 
for you and for your children and your grandchildren and for all of those who are far off. First of all, what we're going to see is this, is that all of this came about not by the Apostle Paul going, okay, let's come up with a plan. What do you wanna do, Timothy? Actually, before him, it was Barnabas. Actually, before him, Paul and Barnabas, it was actually the church at Antioch. Well, before that, it was the disciples actually uh, in Jerusalem. But actually, before all of that, it was Jesus. It always ends up with Jesus. It always ends up with God. And that's a healthy reminder for the church. That the reason why the church of Corinth exists is because God is faithful. Every time you see a church, you should go, oh, there's a picture of God being faithful. I know what we usually think. Seriously, another church? That's what this town needs, another church? Hear me, I, I don't know how to work all of that out. By the way, God has yet to ask me my opinion on where he puts churches, just for the record. He's never said, hey, Jim, I know about a new church that's going up in Pensacola, Florida. I, I wanna get your opinion on whether or not that's a good idea or not. I may have one. God's never asked me for mine. I don't think that the Apostle Paul would say, we decided to plant a church in Corinth because it just made sense. I think Paul would say, talk to the Holy Spirit. It's the one that put, he's the one that put it into my heart to do this. Look at verse one, or sorry, verse four of chapter one. So go back to chapter one. Look at verses four through nine, and Paul is laying this as the foundation. Foundation for the rest of our study together and the foundation for our um, reflection this morning. The Apostle Paul says, I gave thanks to my God. See, that's where it goes. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe I do need to find Tom Mall and say thank you. He's a previous pastor at this church. Maybe I do need to talk to Frank Teep. You know, he's a former pastor. Maybe I do need to talk to some people. Say, hey, thank you for what you did. But Paul drives all the way back. I thank my God, he says, always for you because of the grace of God that was given you. Isn't that a great reminder? You're not a believer because you're smart and you figured it out. You're not a believer because you're good and this just makes sense. You're not a believer for any of those reasons. You're a believer because God, in his kindness, shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you. And somehow, by his grace, you received it. So the reason why you and I can celebrate today and to worship God today and to have our lives fold into the good news of Jesus Christ is because of him. It is God's faithfulness. It's why I love that song, Because of Christ. And I hope we sing it. I could, I could literally could sing it every Sunday. Um, I heard that at a conference earlier this year and I just became so moved by it. I just said, we gotta sing that song. But not only that, like we gotta live that. Because of Christ, I'm not forsaken. Because of Christ, I'm not alone. Because of Christ, I have a confidence and a hope. It is all, it's all because of Christ. And God is being faithful, and that's the reason why I believe. And I'm so good, or I'm so grateful that God has shown to show me his goodness in Jesus Christ. And it is because of the grace that he has given me, verse 5, that in every way you were enriched in him and all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony, another word for that word testimony is the witness, as the witness about Christ was confirmed among you. See, there's God's activity again. I'll remind you that, that one of the evidences of Jesus Christ being alive today, one of the evidences that the cross was not some event in history, but the event of history, is the fact that the gospel is confirmed in the faith that you now have in Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And so God doesn't just give us a story. 
He confirms that story in you. Now do you see why? Like our evangelism or our sharing of our faith, in other words, our witness or our testimony finds its roots not in how good we are, not in how smart we are, not in how, not all the benefits that we can give, but the kindness and the benefits that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul is just making it very, very clear and very, very well known. I want you to know that Jesus Christ demonstrated the reality, the full reality of who he was in you. He continues to say in verse seven, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus. Verse eight, notice what God continues to do. Not only did he give you grace, not only did he confirm it in you, but he will also sustain you. That's good to know. Because there are a number of people in this room right now who are hanging on by their spiritual fingertips. Who because of choices made for you or made by you, are ready to punt it all. But Jesus Christ will sustain you. Jesus Christ will give you the strength to go on. See, that's so much more than a pep talk. It's a, it's a reality. And he will sustain you to the end, guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus. Why? Verse 9, look at this. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, now all of a sudden I get to spend some time not only grateful to my mom and dad, and I do need to thank them for that. They are the, the first ones in my family uh, to say yes to Jesus Christ. It wasn't my grandparents, it was my parents. And then to stop and to say, mom and dad, can you go back and remind me of the story of the family that shared the gospel with you that you said to yes. By the way, I wanna thank you for saying yes to Jesus because it totally changed my life. By the way, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I still don't believe, I'll say this, I still don't believe in just like sociological or psychological um, uh, spiritual formation. I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying I'm a Christian because my parents are Christian. No, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. But I'm really grateful for the direction that my parents chose. By the way, they made it very clear much, many times in my life. Great U2 verse. With or without you, son. With or without you, we have made our course set to follow Jesus Christ. But to be grateful for that heritage. For some couple in Halifax, Nova Scotia that sat my mom down and said, can we share with you the good news of Jesus Christ? And then I wonder, who's, who shared that with them? I wonder who shared that with them, and I wonder who shared that with them. That's why I love the fact that it's, it's literally no one can say, I started this. I love hearing people even talk about, we are the founding fathers of this church. Oh, really? Because I thought it was Jesus. Now, by the way, I, I really do think it's good to just stop and to say thank you to those who've gone on and who have really like, sacrificed. I get what they're saying. But tell me this always folds back into Jesus. Lately, I've been kind of playing around in my own mind, and um, I, I literally wonder if, if, if somehow, you know how, like, uh, we, we need to have a website called spiritualancestry.com. Now, wouldn't it be cool? Like, wouldn't it just be amazing if a whole bunch of us, maybe not all of us, because there's always the outliers, there's always a couple people from Canada in every group, right? <laughs> but can you imagine what it would be like if, like, the vast majority of us could trace our spiritual roots to someone who said yes to Jesus Christ in Corinth? 
Wouldn't that be crazy? Like, awesome. <laughs> and they said yes. And somehow because they said yes, we said yes. I can't wait to see them. And when I meet them, they would say, yeah, but I don't know if you've read 1 Corinthians. I go, no, it's actually still. We read it all the time. Yeah, Paul always remind us to, to give thanks to God. Isn't that awesome? That gratitude can be, hey, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for those who were, were here in previous generations. And then by the time we're done, it's in thank you, God, for what you've done. Paul wants the, the, the Corinthian people to know that. The second thing that he wants them to remember, um, going back, and, and this is the foundation, is that all of you are sinners. We're sinners and you're being transformed. Like I wanna take us back to square one, and square one is not that we're awesome, square one is not that we've got a few problems. Square one actually for the Apostle Paul is you are dead in your sins, dead. Step one is that you have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. That's so depressing, okay, yeah. Like the truth always probably should be difficult and hard to hear. I just want to know, like, is it true? And the Apostle Paul says, yeah, it is true. That's why it's, it's good for us to kind of lean into the goodness of God and the, the faithfulness of God and the persistence of God. Jump down to verse 26 of chapter one. The Apostle Paul says, like, I want you to, and he's gonna keep doing this. I want you to go back and I want you to remember the first time you saw me and the first time you heard the gospel from me and the first time I want you to go back there because that's a great place to begin that's a great place to find what God desires for you. I think too often we forget like where we came from. Look at verse 26, what does he say? For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what was foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what was weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what was low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, the Apostle Paul says, and this is a reminder for so many of us, the Apostle Paul says, what I want you to remember is that God chose to take sinners and to literally transform them. Like God makes this clear throughout the Bible. I didn't choose you because you had it all together. I chose you because you're a sinner. It's like great line, right? Why did Jesus cho always choose to eat with sinners? Answer, because he hated eating by himself. Man, that's a great reminder, isn't it? Like there's, there's Jesus and then there's everybody else. And in Corinth, there was just this group of just people that are lost and people that are and they don't even know it. They're at war with God and they don't even know it. They think everything is fine and they're at war with the God of the universe. They're living for themselves and one day God is going to ask for an account of their lives and they're not going to be prepared on that day. And they're sinners. That's a good lesson for actually us to hear. It's, it's good for us to hear that that there is, is something that had to come from outside of us because none of us can say, well, I'm, I'm really messed up. I deserve to be on the margins. I deserve to be on the outskirts. I don't deserve to be in the, in the inner circle or in the inner ring of God's favor or God's kindness or God's love. Like what I have done and what I have accomplished. See, there's no room for that in church. 
There's no room for for self-righteousness, for we are all sinners being transformed. There's no room for pride or arrogance with each other. And ultimately, I mean, it's crazy to ever have that with God. This is why I've understood, but never really understood when someone says, well, let me tell you what I've done. I love to tell them, I, I, I think I can almost guarantee I've heard worse. I really do. Like, I doubt that your story is the worst that I've heard. I really do. And then when I love to say, what, what, if, what if I could find somebody worse? What would you say to them? And here's what we, we all intuitively know. That God loves them and that Jesus' death can transform them. Do you know that that's true for you? This is what Paul wants them to know. Paul wants them to realize that God takes the weak and God takes the, those that are not very noble and God takes those that are not very intelligent and God takes those that are really sinners and he takes all of them and he transforms them. That every single one of us are sinners saved by grace. And if that doesn't put a smile on your face, a very humble and a very grateful smile on your face, then you haven't thought, <clears throat> you haven't thought long enough about who you were and who you are because of Jesus. But he continues on because it's, it's never the intention for us to just be um, sinners who are transformed into, into saints. Sometimes we can actually do this. Sometimes we can kind of get stuck there. Um, Andrea doesn't quite understand, although she's been around with me a long time enough to know that this is me, but she doesn't quite understand fully. I can tell by the look in her eyes that I know I'm going to be excited when the grandbaby gets here, but that's really not what I'm most excited about. I know that, and you're going, no, you're crazy. And I'm going, no, 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 I get it. Like, I know the first time I see him, her, I uh, heard the heartbeat for the first time this past week. If you want to kind of hear it on my phone, I've got it. You can listen to it with me. It literally just goes like this. So that's what it sounds like. But um, I remember telling Andrew, I told Andrew this, like, yeah, I'm sure. Like when I see it, I'm going to go, oh, wow, that's awesome. You're going to go, wait till it's yours. I know you think that, but I'm telling you, what I'm actually really excited about is like when he or she is like two. That's going to be fun. Like, we are going to just wreck this town, you know? And I, I really can't, I can't wait till he or she has like other little he or she's and, and we're, they're like five and three. I can't, that's gonna be crazy. And I, can't, I can't wait, I can't wait to talk to them about how um, elementary school's going on in Poland. Like, that's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to have that conversation. I can't wait to talk about what your plans are. I can't wait to sit down and have like real grown-up conversations about what God is doing in their lives. I can't wait to sit down with my grandchild who is now seeing what God has got in plan for their life. And now all of a sudden they've got this incredible ministry in some part of the world for God's glory. And they're going to be a school teacher or an engineer or a whatever. And I just, I'm sitting down, I'm talking with them. Like I honestly, I'll love the baby when the baby's here, but I'm really looking forward to the life of the child. And actually I would say it's kind of sick if all you want is a baby. Like, it's, it's, it's not the way God intended it, is it? Like, there's something broken. I just always want my kids to be three. It's something, like, that's, I, I get it, and uh, that's actually called a pathology. You're sick. It is. Or, or, by the way, how about this one? I don't want my kids to be teenagers anymore. Honestly. No, it's, it's part of God's plan. 
So the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that not only are we sinners being transformed by the grace of God, but we are saints being transformed by the grace of God. And it's, it's good for all of us need to hear this today is that it's, it's time for us to actively engage deeper things about God and deeper commitments to God. It's time for us to not just think about what we have, but what we have to give to others. It's time for us to think about sharing our faith for the next generation and for those who still do not know Christ today. See, when do you do that? You do that, Paul's gonna say, jump to chapter four and look at how he describes in verses 15 and through 17, he describes this as a very, and, and I like how Paul like, puts himself in the middle of this. Paul doesn't just say, hey, good luck with that. No, Paul like, throws himself into the mix. Look at what he says, verse 15 of chapter four. For though you have countless guides in Christ, and he's kind of taking a little bit of a shot at that statement, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ through, uh, father, father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Like, I want you to like, model yourself after me, and I want you to follow me, as he says in another text. Be an imitator of me as I am an imitator of Jesus Christ. Like, don't just always stay a baby. Don't just always stay a teenager. Don't just always stay college age. Just don't always stay, like, in your 30s. It's why I've never understood why we get all weird about how old we are and about, I just hate being old. Like, then what you don't like is God's plan for us. What's wrong with being old? The, the good part of the alternative, by the way, is being with Jesus. But this is God's plan. I don't want to be old. Yeah, I know. Get used to it. It's called God's plan. It is. Like, this is a beautiful thing. There's a, a new role that I get to play, new parts that I get, new experiences about what it means to trust. And what you do not want is a 12-year-old Jim Johnson all the time. It's like that nuclear problems right there. Look at what he says. Be imitators of me, verse 17. And that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. You know, this really hits me because I, I, I stop and I just have to reflect on the fact that there are so many times in which I tell you to do something. Hey, you guys need to go and forgive someone. You need to go and, and have that conversation of forgiveness. And I think some of you are going, dude, you have no idea what it's like in my world. You know what you need to do? You need to go home and pray with your spouse. You have no idea who I'm married to. Like, man, it's easy for you to say, you're married to Andrea. It's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to talk about going to work. Are you kidding me, pastor? Are you kidding me? Like, it's easy for you. You should come to where I work. I really should, actually. And I love how Paul says here, he throws himself into the mix. It's not just, hey, you need to grow up. What this church could do better at, what I could do better at, is not just saying, follow my example as I follow Christ, but creating the room in my life where I can help some people begin to see that. And by the way, sometimes it's going, yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> Truly. This is why that gather piece is not just you need to hang around with a couple of friends and talk about the Bible occasionally. It's life on life. It's 
I mean, if you knew the number, you know what you guys need to do? I need to do this, actually. I need to get a stool, not put my coffee on it, but I need to get a stool, and I need to have, like, people come up and just sit here and look at the faces that I get to see every week so that maybe you can, along with me, kind of feel the weight of what it's like. That's why the Apostle Paul keeps going back. That's why the Apostle Paul sent Timothy. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, at least as we know, four letters to the Corinthian people because he just couldn't let it go because there's so much work that still needs to be done. And it's so much more than just grow up. No. It's, can I remind you of God's faithfulness? You were once a sinner. You are now a saint. Let's, let's do this together. Let's follow my example. That's why I love to tell like young married people what our marriage ministry is all about. Young married people, you need to be with older married people so that you know what it looks like. So you know how to handle that rough Man, all, my kids are trying to kill me is how it feels at home. And Andrew and I can smile and go, yeah, we're, we've been there. Chances are you'll survive. Chances are. A little better than even money says you should make it, right? Like maybe that's what you need. Like what do you do when you don't know if you really love your spouse anymore and you just feel terrible inside for that? Yeah. We have people who've been there. Like spiritual people who've been there. They want to help you through that. How do you remain like a faithful single woman in your 40s? There's lots of great nuanced questions that need to be answered. And the Apostle Paul literally doesn't just say, hey, and I got a great book on that. What does the Apostle Paul say? I sent Timothy to you. Like, sure, I sent you a letter and letters are great. But you do know that God just didn't send us 1 Corinthians. God sent us each other. Word of God, spirit of God, people of God. Lastly, because it has to end up where it began. God is faithful and God will be glorified. He will be. There's no way around this. It all begins with him and it all ends with him. You trace your ancestry all the way back, who do you find? God. He's the one. Primary mover, primary shaker, primary creator, primary redeemer, primary restorer of the fallen. And when it all, go forward, go forward, go forward, go forward, go forward. And who do we see, who do we see at the end? God. And he is the one that will wipe all of your tear from our eye. He was the one that will explain all the complexities of eternity. And we still won't fully understand it, but we will be so grateful that he did. He is the one that will change everything. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's another one of those great 16s, three 16s. Paul says this, I don't know if you see this in God being glorified, but here's what he says. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Meaning that God will be glorified in you. And that's what it's about. It is God being, glor God being glorified in you us. And that's why he's saying everything is going to stem from this. You want to talk about how to deal with sexually immoral people in the church? Well, let's just remember that we are God's temple. You want to talk about like how to deal with issues in terms of like lawsuits amongst believers and Christians that just can't get along and arguments and self? Well, let me just talk about that you are God's temple and God will destroy anybody that's not connected to that temple. 
Oh, you want to actually talk about, like, now about virgins, chapter 7, and you want to talk about, like, marital problems, and should we remarry? Yeah, let me, let me tell you who you are. You are God's temple. You want to talk about the use of spiritual gifts? Let me tell you, you are God's temple. What do you want to talk about? That in the end, God is glorified in us and through us. God calls us in the name of Jesus. He sustains us in the name of Jesus, transforming us in the name of Jesus by his spirit until one day it's just us and Jesus. Paul says, I don't want you to forget that. And so in a very real sense, it's time. It's time for us to think about that. It's time for us to reflect on that. For right now in this room, can I just say, there are a number of us that um, like you are in essence, like you're in the position that my parents were in. And maybe you would go, I think my parents are Christian. I mean, at least they go to church. But in the end, I really don't have like a spiritual example. Well, I I think it's time that you recognize that the decision that maybe you make right now will send the direction of your family in a completely different, completely different direction for generations to come. Maybe you have just totally overlooked the need for you to be aware of your current spiritual condition and take responsibility. You've decided to, literally, you're like, a, you're a spirit, somewhere between a spiritual child and a spiritual adolescent. It's been a long time since you've been stretched, going, gathering, or growing, relationally, missionally, in obedience to Jesus Christ. You're literally, you're that person that's still, spiritually speaking, like a middle, middle school student. And and maybe it's time for you to like trust Jesus. Like reflect on what Jesus Christ has not just called you from, but what he's called you to be. Like what if it's time for that? A lot of this comes down to, for me personally, is some journey that I have been going through and I wanna share this with you kind of like from that same title, it's time. I have spent a lot of time thinking about this church. Like a lot of time. I don't know if you know this. I can't shut things off in my head. And so much of my life and so much of my attention span and everything finds its roots and its meanings around this fellowship, around this body. And I can be the guy that can walk into this building and to just assume that it was always here. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know who the first guy was. I think it was Tom Mall. Actually, it wasn't. It was Frank T. And I can just kind of assume that all the relationships and all of the spiritual formation and all of those things, they've always actually been here. But the real truth is, is that they haven't. And I can be the guy, I know that you have a hard time believing this, I can be the guy that can be guilty of going, all we ever really need to do is just open up 1 Corinthians and go. And and by the way, this is still, I think, the best thing that we can do. It's still the best thing that we can do. It's still the best thing that Andrea and I can do is to build our lives around the word. But then sometimes Andrea and I need to do things. If you guys do, any, do you guys do other things with your spouses besides just read the Bible together? Anybody else? Okay, just two of us. The rest of you just read the Bible. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know what all your problems are, to be honest with you, now that I... But it's easy for me to just kind of fail to kind of see what's going on. And to kind of miss on that. So uh, our servers are gonna start walking amongst you and they're gonna start giving you a card. 
And this card kind of goes by this title. It says it's time, and I'll explain that more here in a second. But let me just share with you, maybe some of you saw the new board that is going up. Maybe some of you have actually heard about this journey. But a number of years ago, and when I say that, truly a long time ago, the elders and the leadership of this church began to look around, and, and it's, it's so easy to just try to separate them, like our mission and our ministry and our building, but they really do coincide. They really do fit. Much like um, Andre and I just don't have like a family, we have a house. So we don't just, you know, what really matters the most is family. And so we have a tree that we live under. Anybody, anybody else have a house? Okay, Four or five of you. Okay, good. Most of you just tree people. Okay, good. (laughs) Glad you're not in Portlandia. So anyway, um, but we do, honestly. And you don't even need to feel bad about it. I really believe that. You don't need to feel bad about it. Like, there are places in which, I mean, I I look at homes that I've lived in, and I've been so grateful for every one of them. Every one of them, don't they? They give us even a mobile home. Remember that? In Canada, we don't have those things. And so the fact that you people have somehow live in mobile homes is crazy to us but there's not like tornadoes in this part of the country, so it's not like they're unsafe. But those homes become like this great place where these things come together. And so there really has been, I wanna just kind of let you know how we got to where we are right now. There were just growing convictions amongst our leadership that everything that we have here is fine for now, but is probably not forward thinking. That it's easy for anyone to just kind of settle down and go, hey, like I like what we have. Now, by the way, we usually don't do that in any area of our life. I love to point that out. We usually don't do that in any area of our life, but sometimes we can kind of do that spiritually, right? And so we began to see, and and there were some specific needs that we really kind of focused on, and and one of them was um, like dedicated children's space. For a number of years, we shared this space with the school, and uh, by the grace of God and by his kindness, we've been able to do some things over the last few years to reposition that, but there still is a lack of what we're gonna call dedicated children's space. We do have a, a big gym that we share with a number of our ministries, but for many of our young people, they really don't have a spot. And without getting overly concerned, without getting overly concerned, I think that not only do we need dedicated children's space, but it would be good for us to have a secure, dedicated children's space, okay? I think both of those we recognize there is a need. And not only that, but it can get kind of crazy in our lobby at times. And so for lots of different reasons, we have just been praying. Yeah, we probably don't need a bigger sanctuary. You know, we could run three or four services. But I don't know if you've noticed, but I mean, there's only so much red duct tape that could work. And honestly, truly, like if you want, I can get super spiritual and we could just kind of play this game and man alive, no, 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 everything's good and everything is good. It's, it's just, honestly, one of the things I really wrestle with, Andrew and I don't live like that at home. And so I love to try to take my life and match it up with how I live everywhere. And I just keep coming back like it's time. Even, even if this will last for a while, I, if, as far as I know, that second law of thermodynamics that everything is breaking down is kind of a consistent rule. And there are other generations. I know how to give thanks to Tom Mall, but I kind of, hopefully not for selfish reasons, for the glory of God, I, I kind of hope that maybe somebody gives thanks to me. Like, I know how to receive the blessing of being in this room. Do I know how to create a space for future generations? And that really has been a part of us. There is a growing need. There's a growing need. And so what we did was in 2015, late 2015, 
um, we, we, we contacted a group called Studio Group and we said, we need you to help, think, help us think through this. Here are all our numbers. Here's the areas of our ministries that are growing. Um, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you know, um, and maybe this is totally cool, but we've got like sometimes like uh, girls group, the women's restroom has a little area. And so that's where a girls group has met in the past. Maybe still does. They meet in offices. They meet in hallways. And so this is kind of like that. We need to kind of reconfigure a lot of our space. And so that's one of the things that we actually ask somebody to help us see. And so these are some of the images that they've given us to kind of rethink and plan for and ultimately to sacrifice for. Then at the end of last year, 2017, um, we began to kind of take it to that next level, which is a feasibility study and a survey, which a number of families kind of just said, okay, here's some things that we're thinking about and here's kind of what's going on to be able to tell us, hey, can we proceed? And the answers came back and said, yeah, we think that we need to move forward. And that leads us actually to today. And I'm so grateful for how God just even dovetailed some of these things together with 1 Corinthians thinking about and reflecting on what we have and how do we make sure that we hand it off to the next generation. Being grateful for um, the work that God has done and continues to do. And so in 2018, we're um, unveiling it in front of everybody, literally today. And you have a card that has been given to you and it's used for a number of different reasons. If you take a look on the back of the card, it actually says, yeah, we, I want you to pray. And number one, our prayer is not that we get the building. Honestly, I'm gonna tell you, like that's not my number one thing. My number one thing is actually that we do what God wants us to do, whatever that is. I'll be totally cool with that. Totally on board for that. I wanna talk about that. I wanna pray about that. And so number one is that God would give us grateful hearts for what we currently have. I really believe that that is the place where we need to begin. Because the more that I sit in here and reflect in here, I literally sent a text to Tom Mall. He was, uh, the, the past, 1994 was the first something like this that this church did, and then they did another one in 1998. So to boldly go where no one has gone before, this lovely Starship Enterprise thing that we have here. Back up one more, uh, yeah. So the, that middle area was what the church first had, and then it wasn't enough, and so they built that other area. And it's very interesting as I, I, again, I know how to walk in that space and use that space and then kind of go, ah, I think that's good enough to go, yeah, but I, I think I'd love to leave something for the next generation, particularly our young families and children, that they matter a lot to us as a church. That orange thing, it's not a speech, it's a, it's a philosophy of ministry and life. So we wanna give something to them. And um, one, of the, one of the interesting parts of that is how do we do this? Like we literally do this by saying, let's be grateful. And the more that I sit in here and I'm grateful, so I'm texting Tom all. And I just said, Andrea and I wanna thank you and, and your family for giving my family a place to do ministry. I mean, I've got a son going to Mexico to do missions. I've got another son and his wife going to Poland to do missions. And this church, and I, I don't know how to separate building and, and people. There's, a, there's always been a connection, by the way. Go back even theologically. That's always been all the way back to the beginning. There's a theology of place and people together. God in the end is going to give us a place too, you know. So it's just natural. And so I just said to Tom, I gotta thank you for this. Tom sent a text back. I loved it. Tom said, hey, um, it was a short text. I need to follow it up. But he just said, your encouraging words were Timely. And so I love the idea of just, um, I don't know, for Andrea and I, it's not like we're gonna have kids that are gonna run around in that space. We may not even have grandkids that'll run around in that space. 
but there will be in our city and families who will come to Christ and decisions that will be made. And so we wanna begin with that gratitude piece and then the second one is the courage to live and give sacrificially. So I want you to pray about that and then on the bottom is that we, we wanna have conversations. I, I promise you, you won't be the first one to go, yeah, but what about? No, I've been doing that for years. In elders meetings, yeah, but what about? In staff meetings, right, Paul? Yeah, but what about? So they're great. We wanna have those conversations. We don't wanna just say, this is our, this is our mind and here's where we're gonna go. No, we really wanna invite a, a constant dialogue where we can have honest and open communication about what God's plan is and what God's purpose is and how we can be grateful for this and how we can also have a plan to leave something for the next generation. We want all of this to happen simultaneously. And so if you want to have some more conversations, by the way, this is gonna be happening over the next number of months. It's not like, okay, so is that it? No, 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 so much more is gonna be coming. And right now I'm gonna ask actually um, everyone involved. We, we've, we've got a team of people that are already involved, so you can start walking this way now. There we go, there they are. Um, it's like a Billy Graham crusade. Whoever wants to come and accept. Um, but the, these are people that have already been involved in some way, uh, helping us think through how we can pray for one another and build a community that is going to live sacrificially and give sacrificially to this. Now, by the way, I know right now there are people in this room going, how do, how do they get to be on that team? Right, honestly, I get it. And I, I wanna tell you this, like if you just had that thought go through your head, like I've got gifts and abilities and I wanna be involved. I don't know what it'll be, but I wanna be involved. Um, put down on that bottom of that card, I wanna be involved. We have, so, we have prayer teams and connection teams and affinity teams that are gonna help Sunday school classes um, learn more about the, the, the project and how the ministries are going to grow and develop. There's so many things that can be involved in. And if you're looking at this and going, man, I wanna be a part of that, there is more than room for you. And we want, we would love it. Now it'd be kind of awkward if we had everybody on the stage and nobody in the audience. But I just want you to know, like you are encouraged and invited to be a part of this. But I want you to pray for and to see a lot of these faces so that if you have questions where you can go, it's not just elders, it's not just staff. It's a whole bunch of people who are thinking and praying through all of this. And if you've got questions, please just write your name on the bottom and on the back, uh, there are a couple of tables with some baskets. And if you just put your name on that, um, you'll be contacted almost immediately to begin to have that conversation about how you can connect or how you can be involved. I was really encouraged after first service, a number of people just came up and said, hey, call me, I wanna talk to you, this is exciting and I wanna be a part. Here's what I do at work and I know how I can help. I mean, I had three or four of those, it was so encouraging. And I, I kinda feel like in a way, like I've stepped back into time into 1994 when Paul tells the story about him and Tom Mall driving around in a car because I don't know if you know this, this church used to exist in this really tiny spot where, have you ever wondered, like, why Sunnybrook? Because there's actually a street in town called Sunnybrook that the church was near. And then Tom and, and Paul and, and the elders basically said, like, we can't keep doing it here. Now, the good news is we've got enough space. We can keep doing it here. But I think there are some ways that we can do it better. I'm finally believing it's time to pray and to plan and to talk and to sacrifice and to give to that. And so we want you to know about that. We want you to pray about that. Ultimately, we want you to, to give and to be a part of that, which by the way, all I can see, truly, all I can see is from this place is ministry. It's the lessons that are gonna be taught. It's the lives that are gonna be transformed. It's the young people that are gonna give their lives to Christ. It's the young families that are gonna find a place where they can come and 
and, and literally be transformed. That is what it's about. And we now stand at this particular point in time looking backwards and forwards. Hopefully we're grateful. Let's pray. And so God, we thank you for this time that you have given us. And uh, Father, I'm, I'm thank you for, I'm very grateful and I thank you for the patience that you have given me for the times that I have walked into this building and just assumed that's good enough. And the when you have actually reminded me that it's good enough because others have sacrificed where I have not. And it's good enough because it really requires very little of me and my family. But others have given sacrificially. And so I thank you for your patience with me and your kindness to me. And yet your challenge for me to grow up and to see um, not just with eyes for what I have, but what can be for future generations. God, every generation has to stop and assume its faith on its own. And I think every generation also needs to ask, what can we do to pass it forward? Father, we built community centers in Mexico. We've actually helped another church in town build a building. We didn't tell them, oh, we think what you have is good enough. And so, Father, I pray that there really would be a sense, an awareness of the need in our own community for us not to have um, amazing, but to have intentionality about what we have. I'm grateful to live in this town. I don't know if I'll die here, but if I did, it wouldn't be a bad thing at all. It'd be a good thing. And so I pray, Father, that in all that we do, that it would be led and guided and directed by you and that people would be changed, sinners transformed, saints transformed, and ultimately that you are glorified. We say this, Father, for your glory, for our community's benefit, and for our joy. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we're dismissed, and uh, if you want to have a conversation, you can come up and have a conversation with them or me. Don't forget to drop off your card if you want to continue this conversation that way as well. God bless, and we will see you next Sunday.